Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, and the truths that we, that we gain and the insights from your word, Lord. We thank you. They are endless, endless, Lord. And so we praise you for all those nuggets that you give us. I pray, Lord, that you might use me as your instrument to uh, proclaim this message for your glory, that I might be anointed by your Holy Spirit to do so, that, and you'll anoint our hearts, Lord, to hear what you want us to hear and to apply to our lives, Father God. I pray that for each person here, Lord, that they'll go away today with an insight they never thought of before, according to your word, to draw, to draw them closer to you. Ask these things in uh, Jesus' name. Amen. A Sunday school teacher asked the children just before she was going to dismiss them to go into the church service. And so she asked them this question. She said, why is it important to be quiet in church? And one child spoke up, because people are sleeping. <laughs> now we praise God. I praise God that you're not sleeping. So that is a good, good thing. Amen? As I mentioned in 2 Corinthians, if you look all through 2 Corinthians, but in particular uh, chapters 10, 11, and 12, there's this ongoing, Paul's concern is, <coughs> excuse me, for his credibility and also the Corinthians' devotion to Christ all were being challenged by false teachers. So Paul also wanted to, he felt like he had to reestablish his authority. And he did so by speaking of the many trials and tribulations that he had experienced while serving Jesus Christ. <coughs> so, we're going to start with looking at this thorn, and we'll go through this, hopefully, that God will bless you and you can read something, receive something out of this that will really help you in, for, in terms of what you are going through. Uh, first one thought is Paul's visions and revelations from 2 Corinthians 12. Now this goes through 1 through 6. So we're going to break this down and start with verses 1 through 3. I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven, whether, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. Paul was talking about himself. However, he was not sure whether his supernatural revelation was was an in or out of body experience he didn't know but he shared this unique event to his audience to let them know that he was he was touched by God in a very very special way verses 4 through 6 was caught up to paradise and heard in inexpressible things, things that no one was permitted to tell. 
I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. If I choose to boast, I will, I will not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. I would not be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one would think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. It's not about me, he was saying. It's about God. Everything in Paul's mind and his spirit was, it was all about God. His heavenly experience not only kept him humble, but it also, but it also sent a message to his critics that he had a divine moment, something special God touched his heart that nobody else had experienced. Are you with me? Okay. Number two, a thorn in the flesh, verses 7 through 10. And we're going to start by looking at verse 7. Or, or because these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. There, there has been a lot, great deal of speculation about this thorn in Paul's flesh. Was it in the hip? Was it epilepsy? Was it his eye problem? All sorts of theories are out there. But listen, Paul never revealed it. But we, don't, we know this. It was, it was a chronic, debilitating condition which occasionally hindered his ministry. In verse 8, he said, Three times I pleaded with God to take it away from me. Three times God, Paul asked God to remove this thorn, but it never happened. But he knew that God would use this thorn to build up character in him and make him stronger. He didn't like it, but he knew it. But listen. How many times have you prayed for someone and somebody would come to you maybe for a, a healing, they need a healing or whatever, and you prayed for that person and nothing happened? I think sometimes in the Pentecostal church, you know, we pray and we should. Listen, we should pray. But we, we should all understand, and we do, that sometimes when we pray for somebody to be healed, it doesn't happen. That doesn't mean we stop praying. It just means we put it, place it in God's hands. Now, every five years, I coordinate my class reunion. And so it's here. So I get a call from one of my classmates and said, Hey, Denny, it's time for, you know, I said, I know, I know, I know. So we're planning for our 15th class reunion. I just see if you're awake, that's all, that's all it was, just see if you're awake. And so I said, well, then this gal was, as she was talking to me, one of my classmates, and all of a sudden I was getting a litany of all of her aches and pains and aches and pains of some of my fellow classmates in her area, and physically what they're going through, I'm going, okay, okay. 
We can't have it at night anymore. We need, it's, it has to be during the daytime. It has to be a luncheon because so-and-so just will not drive at night. Okay, so I'm listening, I'm listening. Finally, I said, I tell you what. I said, let me call some people, you know, my other classmates. I want to get a sense of what people want to do. Um, and uh, so that was my plan. And I said, and you have certain people call me, and they can share, like, time, etc. Sounds boring, right, to you? All right. It's going to get better, I promise. And so I get a call from one of my classmates that lives out in, uh, in Washington area, way north, near Seattle. And uh, I was very close to this person back in my high school days. And then as we're talking, I said, how are you doing? Nice to hear your voice, etc. And she said, well, I'm not doing so good. And I said, well, what's up? She said, I have an inoperable brain tumor. And it's between the two main arteries in my brain. And so there's nothing they can do. And see, then I started putting it together. She would say things like, well, I would like for the reunion to be between my window is April and June 17th because I'm, we want to take one last trip abroad. I'm putting this, this together. I didn't say, is this cancer? I didn't have to say that. Her words were saying it. So I said to her, I said, Kathy, I said, can I pray for you? And, and then when I said that, I said, then as a pastor, I said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She said, I made that commitment years ago. I said, well, praise God for that. So I prayed with her on the phone. And I prayed for God to heal her. I prayed other things as well, but that was one thing that I prayed that God with healing hand would be upon her condition. But I don't know. Some people say, well, when you pray for healing, then you've got to pray and, and claim it in faith. Well, yes and slash no. Because even when you do that, there's no guarantee that that person's going to be healed. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you've got to have your theology right when it comes to to, to healing ministries. Some people have the gift that God's given them that gift to lay hands on people and to heal them. We are called to do that according to James. But then, here it is. Then it comes down to God's purposes. God's will. God's will be done. So many people, their, their faith is shattered when, that, when a prayer like that is not answered. You, we can't put that on ourselves. We can't put that on our faith. God will do what God wants to do when he wants to do it. We are called to be his instruments. But it's all about God and not about us. That should get us all off the hook. You know, I've had people say to me, Christians... Well, your daughter would have lived if your faith would have been stronger. 
after wanting to strangle him. I said, that is about as pathetic theology as I've ever heard in my life. So we need to understand those things. It's all in God. All we're called to do, my brothers and sisters, all we're called to do is to pray, to believe, and trust that whatever we prayed for, God will work out for our good or that good of that prayer. Does that fair enough? That's all we can ask of God. Basically, it comes down to God. I want your will to be done in this. I need a healing for this. Well, I pray that God's will, will will be done in that healing. Okay. So, amen. Thank you very much. So, so far, uh, so good. Now, let's look at verse 9, God's response. God's responding now to Paul. But he said to me, God, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. Instead of removing the thorn, God gave Paul the insurance that his strength was made perfect, according to the word, in weakness. Paul called this thorn in his, in his flesh a messenger of Satan. However, he believed that God would turn this thorn in him, his weakness, into a strength. To, he brings something good out of it in his life. That's what we look for. That's what Paul is looking for. For those of you that have been struggling about an unanswered prayer or whatever, just read, read 2 Corinthians 12. Paul had this thing, and he couldn't get rid of it. And occasionally it did hinder his ministry. God, take it from me. God, take it from me. No, no, I'm not. Okay, then I'm going to keep trusting you that you're going to use this for my good. You're going to make me stronger, build my character through it. That's exactly what God, that was God's purpose for Paul. And it's also our purpose here today. When you pray, keep praying. Keep praying and believing that God's going to use it for his good, for your good, for his glory. That's it. That gets us, again, off the hook, that thinking, well, it's got to be me. If I pray harder, I tell you what, I'm going to pray louder. That's it. I'm not praying loud enough. I'm going to just get out there, and I'm just going to scream out this prayer. God is not deaf. He'll, he'll hear you. He'll hear the softest prayer. And it, to him, it's loud and clear. You know? So kind of guard your emotionalism when you pray. You know? Just understand that God, you don't have to yell. How many times have you said to the kids, don't yell at me? Don't you yell at me? You know, I can hear you. Well, God sometimes thinks, says, don't you yell at me? I can hear you. Amen? Okay, this leads us to number three. Now, I want to put in, we've been talking about uh, this passage so far and what was happening with Paul. Now, there always has to be an application, how we can, we can really apply it even in more detail in our lives. All right? So, we're going to call this Lessons from the Thorn, and this, we're going to shift from 2 Corinthians to chapter 4, verse 7. 
But we have this treasure. Listen to this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now I'm going back again to, to verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 12, not to confuse you. That is why, for Christ's sake, I, del I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So in the, in, even in the face of his painful thorn, Paul complained, did not complain to God. He didn't give up. He just knew. He just knew that God will use it for his good. He de developed that attitude that God would make him stronger through it, make him stronger through it. We need to hear that because sometimes what we do is we're good one week, the next week we're not. We're up and down, up and down. God is good. He answered this prayer next week. Oh, man, I'm telling you, where is God? He's distant. He's not there. He didn't answer this prayer. God's, Paul's saying, be consistent. Be consistent and know week in, week out, God is there. He is faithful. He'll take care of you. He'll make you stronger. If you call upon him, he will give you that strength to overcome every, everything. So now let's get again to treasures and jars of clay. But we have this treasure and jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Here Paul knew that the real treasure was what? The real treasure is, is Christ. That's the treasure. The real treasure is Christ. And Paul, get this, Paul, and Paul was only a vessel, or in the scripture, jars of clay that carried it. We carry Christ in us. How do we carry Christ in us? Through the Holy Spirit. That God, Christ, lives in us through his spirit. So Paul is saying that I'm carrying this treasure in me. I'm jars of clay. I'm human. I'm not perfect. I'm a vessel. I'm only a vessel for the Lord. So now this leads us into, I want to kind of close this portion of the, of the service with uh, three lessons that we can learn from Paul's thorn in his flesh. And the first one is that our weakness can become our strength if Christ is in it. Do you hear that, what I said? Our weakness can become our strength if Christ is in it. That's what Paul is telling us. You know? We kids, we talked about, the Paul, uh, you know, uh, David and the slingshot. You know, to me, that's a classic story of a weakness, strength, how God can use a person. And he did that. It's amazing when you stop and think about how they, they explain to the kids, whatever, you know, David just had this little, little slingshot, you know, boom, boom, boom. You know, you ever had a sling, slingshot when you were a kid? Shoot it against the wall. Parents said, don't shoot it toward the windows. You do anyway. You knock one out, you get in trouble. But we know a little slingshot 
he kills a guy that's, what, nine feet tall. His weakness. How about Paul? Paul talked, he gave a litany of, of his uh, weaknesses and all of his sufferings. Again, I said, I think I shared last week or week before, we need to understand that Paul was a brilliant scholar, but he was not a speaker. He was not trained in public speaking. He was trained in everything else, and they were mocking him. Some were mocking him back in the day because of his speech. They had great orators, those that could really speak, and they knew the language. They just, they just flowed out of them. And then you had Paul. Paul preached a basic, fundamental message of Jesus Christ. Jesus' salvation. That's what he preached. And we see some of the great preachers through the years, like Charles Spurgeon and others, they preached a very simple gospel message. Billy Graham did. He preached that same, it's amazing, all those years of his preaching, and he preached really the same truth. Christ crucified, resurrected, salvation, forgiveness, so on and so forth. How about Moses? You talk about weakness. What did Moses say to God? Look at my tongue. I can't speak. So you want me to lead all these people and I can't even communicate it. What about Jeremiah, the great prophet? The same thing. They had speaking problems. But look how God strengthened them. That's the point. And the second one is Jesus' grace and power. He gives us his grace and power to meet every situation we'll ever face in this life. God, God's grace and power enabled Paul to recognize, to accept, to praise and glorify Christ even in his weakness. You see, for Paul, as he said, Christ is sufficient for me. That's all I need is Christ. You can give me all those fancy words. You can give me all of this, but I'm going to just keep my eyes on the, on the goal, the prize, as he said in Acts. Jesus. Jesus. That's all I have for you is Jesus, and that is more than enough. That is more than enough. And then finally, and listen to this, finally, unanswered prayer does not mean that God isn't listening. Greater blessings, I believe, come to us when God says no to our selfish prayers. But make no mistake about it. God will always, always respond to every prayer in need. But not according to our wants. 
Oh God, I've been praying for this brand new Mercedes to be in my driveway. I think I deserve it. I give so much to the church. I do this, and this is one little thing that I want. Oh, please, God, make it happen. Oh, God, make me beautiful. God, God, make me young again. Make, make me young and beautiful again. You see what I'm saying? Uh, no, uh, that's not it. What is the thorn in your flesh today? What is really aggravating you? What is it? Are you struggling with what life is throwing at you each and every day? Are you frustrated over some of these irritating problems that just don't seem to want to go away? Are you dry spiritually? Are you spiritually empty? Are you just ticked off, frustrated with family, friends? My finances are a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do, whatever it is. The job is just a nightmare. I hate the winter. Here we are still in February. God, it's going to be, we got April and May before we see the flowers bloom, whatever. What is it for you? What is that thorn in your side, that thorn in your flesh? What is it for you? What is frustrating you? Listen, God doesn't put us in, into a bubble in order to isolate us from living in this big, bad world. We're in it. We're in the world. Our warts and all, our frustrations, our thorns, but, but consider this, those thorns in your side become, become something greater. They become, they become opportunities. They become opportunities to receive God's unlimited power, His grace, His mercy, His strength, his direction, his healing. But at the end of the day, just what they just said, God does all those things for us. But there's always a little condition to that. And Paul shared it. I'm going to share it again as I close. Remember and make this personal. Your weakness can become strong if Christ is in it, is Christ, you can say, what well, Christ is in my heart. Yeah, I know, I know that Christ is in my heart. But is he in your heart every day? Is he in your heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Not just in church. Because that's when the real teaching comes, when you are in the world, when you're living each and every day your life. Is Christ there that's what Paul is saying. We are all jars of clay. We are only vessels. The treasure is Christ. Amen? It's Christ. You know, and, and you know, Christians, let's not forget that. Let's not forget when you plan your vacations, you're planning whatever you, 
You're worried about your, your, you know, your 401ks, whatever it is. You're planning your future, whatever. That's great. But remember, even, even when you have, well, how can I say this? Um, you plan for your future. I'm in, you know, I'm in playing the back nine of my life. You know, it is what it is. And some of you are approaching that. So all the planning that you do, which is good, it's good, 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 100% good. And all the preparation, all the work, everything that you put into your life with the abilities that God has given you, it's going to stop. It's going to stop. And then real life begins. When you die, that's when life really begins in Christ. Paul is saying all of this. I do all of this for Christ. I do all of this for one day I'm going to be with him. That's why I'm doing all of this to share the gospel with you. Does that make any sense to you? You know, really, I can't say that enough. When I was just a kid, really, of 22, 23, and I was a meathead for Jewel, and I served my apprenticeship in this one church in Cicero, Illinois. And the one man that really was my mentor was an older man. Was an older man, and he was, he was really, if you want to picture what a meat cutter looks like, it would not have been me. I was skinny, but I was wiry. You know? And, and it took a lot for three years for me to build myself up to really become what in that situation. But my mentor, my teacher, was, he's about five foot eight, and he's about five foot eight wide. Just a massive man, big, big hands, just, I'd say, that's a butcher, that's a meat cutter, that's what they look like. And I remember Al used to say to me, oh boy, I tell you what, you know, I can't wait. He's, re he's at that point in time, he was almost at retirement age. I can't wait. When I retire, I'm going to, we're going to move down to Hot Springs, Arkansas. We love it down there. We vacation down there. That's where I want to be. I can't wait. I'm counting the days. I'm counting the days. I left that store. I came back to visit maybe a year later. And I saw my friend Al, the guy that used to call me this dumb kid, over and over again because I wasn't getting it right. I said, Al, how you doing? How you doing? He said, oh, Denny, I'm not. He said, I'm not doing well. I'm, I'm tired. You know, I'm just, you know, I can't get over this cough and I'm just weak. And I'm thinking, this man is, this guy's huge. I mean, this guy's strong as a bull. He, he retired. And within a year, he died. All that time waiting for that moment to come, and God took him. See my point? Paul said it's all about Christ. Nothing is given to us. There's no guarantees that you're going to live tomorrow. Or you are, or you are. There are no guarantees. 
Live for Christ today. Rededicate yourself to Jesus Christ because that's where life begins, begins, begins in Jesus Christ. Christ crucified. Jesus Christ, the treasure, are jars of clay. That's all I have. That's all we need to know. So, when I'm saying, I'm thinking, oh man, this guy's gloom and doom. He's talking about dying and God, whatever. No. What I've just shared with you should make each day you live more enjoyable. Because when you're on Him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that moment when God's going to call you. I don't worry about that. You live it each and every day. Live it in Jesus, and He'll bless you. He'll bless you abundantly. Amen? And amen. Now, that wasn't so bad, Rudy, was it? Eh. <laughs> you know, that really leads us, what I'm saying, into our communion. And I'm sure that Chris and when he, when you're leading the men's group, you're putting Christ right there. You're talking about Jesus Christ in your lives as men. That is it. That's what it's, what it's all about. And this table, for me, it reminds me that Jesus is telling us not to put him on a shelf. And, and we only bring him down and carry him with us when we go to church. This communion reminds us that Jesus Christ is with us every hour, every single day. And in it, we remember salvation. We remember what Christ has done for us on that cross. Because that's what gives us the fuel to live and, to, and, to, and live for him and for families and whatever we're doing each and every day. I hope and pray that for you, I don't know if somebody, what you do during the week, you know, but God knows. But I pray that each and every one of us, that, that as we live our daily lives, people will see a little bit of Jesus Christ in us. Just a little bit. We can share that. Jesus said, eat this in remembering me. Eat this and remember me. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Our Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, we just rejoice in this supper, this communion, because it does remind us that we are jars of clay, that we are just people that are living life each and every day, 
for the young that are here. They will one day grow old. For the older that are here, their time will also come when they leave this earth. We are all terminal. But Lord, you are forever. And you last forever. So we are terminal on this earth. But on the other hand, we live forever in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for remembrance of who you are. The night of Jesus' arrest, he gathered with his disciples in that upper room and he broke bread. And said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembering me. The same way he took the cup. And he said to his disciples, this is my blood shed for you. For the forgiveness of sin. Drink this in remembering me. O oh, gracious Heavenly Father, once again you have reminded us that you suffered and died. Your body was broken. You were humiliated for us. For our sins. And Lord, your blood was shed for us, for our sins. For your blood ushers in the new covenant of being in you. We are redeemed. We receive our salvation that we can be uh, cleanse of our sins through repentance. The whole package, Lord, you've given us of redemption, of salvation, and to live each and every day in the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you praise. Jesus said, take, eat, and drink.
Oh Lord, what a glorious day it is. That we are so reminded that as we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, that you can t truly take our weaknesses, Lord, and you can make us strong in you. Strong to live each, in, live each and every day through your Holy Spirit. Strong to make the right decisions. Strong to know that when things aren't going well, if we just keep hanging in there and trusting you, you will work all things out for the good. Thank you, Jesus, for this remembrance in this communion that you are so, 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 so good. But then we add, you're so, so, so great. We love you, Lord. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have